You are listening to the Passion City Church Podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Today's talk comes from Brad Jones. Amen. Amen. Like I mentioned, uh, it's the last week of this series by faith. I think it's been a powerful series. Do you? Okay. Do you, that section up there? Okay. Strike two. Um, Moving on. Um, I've been really taking it seriously. I've loved this series and I've really uh, wanted it to like produce fruit in my life and make a difference and remember it. And I hate, I hate to be that pastor that brags, but I actually had a chance this last week to walk in faith and take a big step. And, and I did. Why, Stu, are you saying I don't want to be the pastor who brags? Are you nodding like I am a pastor who brags? Okay, go sit up there. Um, but I took a step by faith. I fixed my eyes, not what I, what I saw, but what I did not see. And I, I took a bold step, not, not sure how it was gonna turn out because what I saw was on my gas gauge, I had one mile left. You been there? You living there a lot right now? Actually, let me ask who has never been there? Not because this is a generosity moment. No, more who are the type A's that are like, I'm never gonna let my tank go below a quarter of a tank. Where are you at? Okay, we don't have a lot of responsible people at Cumberland. We're, we're living in, in E and I had one mile left and I, I was not close. I was by a lot of gas stations, but I wasn't close to my favorite gas station. And my favorite gas station in Atlanta, my favorite gas station is Bucky's. If you know, you know. But I was 20 minutes from my favorite gas station where I could save like 30 cents. And I was like, do I take the step or not? Does my car have what it takes? Is there a promise that I will get down 85 without traffic? No, that has never been promised. But I went for it, guys. I mean, amen. Like, aren't you proud of me? I drove that 20 minutes, not sure if my car after it hit zero had 10 miles, had 20 miles. For all I know, it has 100 miles and they're just fooling us the whole time, right? Um, some of you actually know because you've run out of gas on the side of the road. But I, I, hey, Jesus story, I made it to the gas station. <laughs> Come on, give God glory, you know? I mean, that's the talk for today. No, not that part, sorry. How... Um, do we make decisions that are based on our faith? Not faith in gas mileage or a gas gauge or a car, but are based on this promise that we have in Jesus. Hebrews chapter 11, we've been talking about it, um, that we, if we wanna walk by faith, if we wanna please God, we must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. If you don't know it, I would memorize it. That if we want to please God, which if he created us, if he made us, if he is our future in heaven, if we want to honor him, please him, make him happy, we must believe he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And in this talk called The Promise for every day. I'm just wondering for you and for me, do I have a faith that drives my every day, that impacts my every day? 
Because yes, faith is the gift of God for salvation for all who believe, right? Ephesians 2, eight through nine. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not from yourself. It is the gift of God. We get saved by the gift of faith. But the problem a lot of us have, people in the Bible and people today, is we get saved by faith, this gift of faith, but then we try to walk it out all by works. And it's typically called our own power, our own strength or willpower. How do we have a faith that isn't just for salvation, but is for every day? I would say the danger is twofold. One, most of us have pretty good faith for the big decisions. Uh, God, should, should I take this job? God, am I ever gonna get offered a job? God, should um, we get married? God, should we make a move? God, uh, where should I go to college? God, where should I go to lunch? And I mean, there's big decisions, right? Now that answer is always Chick-fil-A. Can I get an amen? Finally, I got a response from this section. I didn't even get like, amen, I got like a whoop, okay? But it, that, that is so much of our faith, right? God, we, we go to God when it's the big need. And God always like, I wanna walk with you. I wanna lead you. I want your faith in me to drive everything that you do. It's faith for the everyday. I think the other danger is most of us that have been following Jesus for a really long time. We think we've got it all together. We think that we don't need God's help. We already know the scripture, know the answers. And so we just get into this works-based routine, go through the motions, do the task, task, the older brother mentality. I've always been there. And you even see like what Paul was telling the Galatians. He says, you foolish Galatians. They're like, whoa, I'm listening now. He called some believers foolish. This is verse, uh, chapter three, verse one. Who, who fooled you? Who tricked you? You started so strong by faith, but now you're trying to do it all on your own. We don't wanna be foolish Christians, do we? And to not be foolish Christians, we need to believe that God exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And this is Hebrews chapter 11. We're gonna talk about uh, what some would say is the goat of the Old Testament. Well, actually, Jesus would be the goat of the whole thing because he was in the Old Testament. It's bad theology. Please don't tell Pastor Louis. Um, <laughs> I'll fix that by the 1145, I promise. Um, but in actually, uh, just human terms, Moses has gotta be up there as one of the greatest of all times. And especially for the Jewish people, there was a lot of men and women they honored. There was a lot of stories that got passed down, but the stories of Moses, he was a big deal. And that's why uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus took his closest disciples up, there was uh, Moses that appeared. There was the great prophet Elijah that appeared. And then there was Jesus, right? And they were like, should we build a, a tabernacle, a place to worship all of y'all? And Jesus said, no, I'm better than the law. I'm better than the prophets. But still the Jewish people, when they thought Moses, they thought the parting of the Red Sea. They thought the 10 commandments. They thought water in the rock, manna from heaven, right? They thought Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. They uh, thought heading towards the promised land and getting their people out of slavery, he was a big deal. As we read the account in Hebrews chapter 11, we'll start in verse 23. This is just a small word for the parents in the house because you get an account of Moses's parents. It says, by faith, 
Moses's parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. They were not, because, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. If you're new to the story of faith and the story of scripture, um, the Israelites, the people of God, after time of success in the life of Joseph, when he was a leader for the Egyptians, right? Then all of a sudden the, the people of God, the Israelites started growing in number, the Pharaohs changed and now God's people were being oppressed. They were under the bondage of slavery and they kept growing in number. The Pharaoh and the Egyptians had a problem. These people of God are continuing to grow stronger and have more influence. We have to do something to stop them. So an evil king, it's not hard to imagine, an evil king made an edict and said all the firstborns of the Hebrew people, the Israelite people, they need to be thrown into the Nile and killed. And it says Moses' parents, by faith, took a risk, obviously, to save the life of their child and not do what they were ordered to do. They chose faith over fear because they saw that their child was not an ordinary child. By faith, I would just encourage you, all you parents in the room, this is for me and Brittany, what we wanna believe for our kids, right? That God has a purpose for them, that they are not ordinary, that they are not accidental, they are not just happenstance, but this beautiful child, our, our daughter and our boy, that God would have a purpose for their life. We believe that by faith. It says that's what Moses' parents did. It said in verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So what happens for Moses? Just a little spark notes for all of you. Are spark notes still a thing? Um, I don't know, but I will keep going. Let's just act like they are um, because that's how I passed college and high school for that matter. But um, just a little quick recap. Um, Moses' parents hid him for three months. They couldn't hide him any longer. So they had to, I can't even imagine, they had to make an extremely challenging, tough decision. They put their baby in a basket and floated him down a river. Pretty crazy thought, but God in his sovereign power lets this baby uh, float down the river. He gets seen and rescued by the daughter of Pharaoh. The daughter of Pharaoh now has this beautiful baby. It says, I need someone to raise this baby. I need somebody um, to bring this baby up and nourish them, right? But I, this is obviously a Hebrew baby. I'm not a Hebrew woman. Let's go find oh, a Hebrew woman that can raise this baby. Well, there were some people that knew what was happening. They said, why don't you go get this woman? They went and got Moses' mom. So now all of a sudden in God's power, what was the worst decision she ever made was now being redeemed and she's back with her son. She raised him and then eventually gives him fully into the family of the Pharaoh's daughter. Moses then was raised in the Egyptian palace in the wisdom and the knowledge of the Egyptians in the glory and the fame and the money. But it says that he chose, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Some of you need to, all of us need to underline that passage right there. I'll talk about it in a minute, but it explains itself and it proves true in our soul that the pleasures of sin are fleeting. Can I get an amen? He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw 
him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. This is the account in Hebrews 11 of Moses's faith. And what I specifically wanna call out in our few moments remaining together is the verbs. You see the verbs in there? Were they powerful for you? When I think about Hebrews 11, I think about the people. Uh, Shout out to my seventh grade uh, English teacher. I think about the proper nouns, right? The specific, particular. I'm actually just trying to earn the favor of the teacher that I respected the most. The people, places, or things, right? The proper nouns. Or I even think about the word faith. But when I look at Moses' account, I'm like, he, what did he do? He refused. It's an action. He, he chose. He regarded. He specifically regarded disgrace. He was looking ahead. He left. He persevered. He kept. All of these are active words. And so my question for you and for me, is your faith active? Is your faith on the move? Is your faith, and by faith, is it effective? Is is it driving you? Is your belief in God causing you to do something, to change something, to leave something, to say no to something, to say yes to something? Because God's faith for us isn't just a one-time event where we go from death to life and we just look back on that moment. Oh yeah, that's where I had faith. No, his gift to us of faith is I want to give you what you need for every single day active faith. This is the faith we want. This is the faith that God desires. Effective faith. Productive faith. Fruitful faith. That our lives and our decisions and our days, not just our years or our big moments, but everything that we do could be seen through the lens of a God who exists. And he rewards those who who earnestly seek him. Scripture says that our faith without deeds is dead. So if there is no activity based on your faith, then maybe you never had faith. And maybe it was just always obligation, always following rules. What step as we close this series, what action? Maybe it is a big action. Maybe there is something you need to fight for because of your faith. Maybe there's something you need to stop because it's not honoring and pleasing God. Maybe there is something you need to start because God is calling you. Or maybe it's just something that you need to start having as an influence in every single thing that you do but our faith should be active for the everyday. I wanna pick out three of these words for Moses' life. The first one was back in verse 23. He chose. He uh, chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. That's what we want, right? I mean, Moses grew up in the palace and then he saw that his people were being uh, forced into the bondage of slavery. But he knew that he had a choice to make because he knew who he was. 
A lot of people knew, thought he was an Egyptian and he was the Pharaoh's daughter, but he knew that he was an Israelite and he belonged to the people of God. And that is where really life comes down, right? Is you and I, we have the choice to identify with the world and what the world wants for us or what the current the, wor- what current the world thinks we should swim in or should we choose, even though it might mean missing out, not as much comfort, not as much ease, being marginalized. How do we get to the point where we, like Moses by faith, can choose to disregard the things of the world and accept whatever comes for the sake of Christ? Because Moses chose, and some of you are facing choices, and it's maybe young people that are like, man, this, this current is strong, this stream is strong, and I don't know if I have what it takes to follow the Jesus route. Some of you, it's in a marriage, and you're like, man, it's getting tougher. I know this is God's plan for my life, and I know that it's what he wants, and to be a father, a mother that raises my kids and stays faithful to my spouse, but man, it's getting tough, and so maybe I should choose the easy way out. Some of you are like, man, I, I can make a lot of money if I just kind of you know, cut a few corners or you know, start acting a certain way at work. I'll get that promotion. And I, no, how do, you, how do you choose by faith to honor God in everything that you do? First, you choose God because you recognize, you remember, you realize that God first chose you. We choose God, we can choose God because he first chose us. Do you believe that? Does that blow you away? Does that make, I mean, you're like, oh, it's so tough to choose. You're like, no, it's actually a lot easier when I realize the God of creation, the one who made the heavens and the earth, he chose me. He knows my name, not because of how great I am, but because of how good he is and how much he loves us. He picked me. For in him, we've been chosen in Christ before the creation of the world. Jesus told his disciples, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And I chose you to bear fruit. Do you ever wake up or do you ever think about a big choice you gotta make and go, God, yeah, yeah, I gotta make this big choice or I'm stepping into my day, but I just wanna remember and recognize that you chose me. You picked me. Anybody have like, Uh, nightmares from recess growing up and that moment where you're like, I mean, some of you Uber athletes like myself have never really faced this. I'm looking at you. That was a little loud laugh up there as well. But you, you know, you're getting picked for teams and you got one captain and the other captain. Yeah, you're like, I don't ever wanna go back to recess. I have blocked that out of my mind because I don't know. I mean, it feels good to be the first pick, maybe the third pick, but when that one person that you thought you were absolutely more athletic than gets picked before you and then you go down to the last pick and you're like, all right, we'll take you. That's not how God picked you. You weren't left over. You weren't just standing there. You weren't in an upward league where everybody has to get picked and everyone gets a trophy. (laughs) He sees you and he wants you, not just us, but he wants you and he has a purpose for you. It's what Moses recognized uh, quickly, running out of time, but Exodus, my preaching's so good though, y'all could say all day, can I get an amen? 
You forced you. That was obligation. All right. Um, Exodus chapter three. I'm going to read it um, really quickly. Um, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. This is verse one of chapter three. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord, the Lord, God himself saw that he had gone over to look. God called to him from within the bush. Don't miss this next part. He said, what does it say? What does it say again? That's so crazy, isn't it? No. It says Moses, God from within a bush said, Moses, Moses. He called him by name. He did not just say, hey, you. Hey, 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 that guy. Hey, um, that girl, uh, I forgot your name. I remember your face. I think we've met once, but like, I gotta tell you something. Not like, hey, y'all, or hey, he said, Moses. And the God who knew Moses' Moses's name knows your name. Moses had been running from a mistake that he made. That's why he was with his father-in-law. That's why he was hiding out. That was, he was in a dry spell in a dry season, running from his calling. God knew his name and God knew where to find him. God knows your name and he knows where to find you and he's gonna call you by name. And what did he say to Moses? He says, Moses, Moses, don't come any closer. Take off the sandals for the place you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And this, Moses, at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. That's the response. Anytime we come close, it's holiness, unworthiness. It's awe, it's humility, it, it, it's bowing. And the Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering. I'm grateful to, today for a God who is concerned about suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land, to a, uh, bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of all the ites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. It was a pastor's way of saying, I don't know how to pronounce all those words, but I'm gonna keep going. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So verse 10, so now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites out of Egypt. God told Moses, so because of who I am and because I've called you, because of what you've been through, because of the way I've prepared you, 
Because of your circumstances, I've seen fit to pull you through all the stuff that you've went through to get you to this very moment. So the good and the bad, the highs and the lows, the mistakes, the frustrations, the hurt, the basket down the river, the Pharaoh's daughter, the palace. So because of who I am and what I've got for you, so now go, I'm sending you. You wanna have faith in everyday life for everyday life? Remember that you have a God who chose you and has a purpose for you. And walk in that purpose every single day. Embrace that purpose every single day. Don't chase someone else's calling. Don't covet someone else's path. Just embrace the path that God has you on and trust that if he controls the universe, then he is sovereign over your life and he's got a plan that he's working out, right? For me, it's, it's trying to ask why with the lens of faith. Because we're, we're all pretty good about asking the why question, right? I mean, I mean if, if we should be. Like, there, there's hard things in the world. There's hard things in life. And, and our typical response is, why God? Why am I walking through this? Why is this happening to me? Why, if you're so good, is life so hard? Very legitimate question. Why, God, if you're in control, are bombs flying over Ukraine right now? And there, there's heartbreak and there is pain, there is suffering, there is injustice in the world, and it's all the result of the fall, right? The sin that is spread throughout humanity and society. There is evil in the world. In this world, you will have trouble. Why, God, though? Why, why, why? And we've all had to ask those questions. But I have confidence in the rearview mirror. Thank you, Pastor Louis, for that illustration in the story of history that even though hard things happen, that there is a God that is sovereign, that is seated on a throne, that is in control, that is working, that is not surprised, that's not stressed out, that's not anxious, that's not losing sleep, that he is working out a plan for his glory and our good. My rearview mirror experience is, is one of, of different ups and downs, but I think back to first grade. And we have a, a son that's in the first grade and it's WWE at our house most of the time between him and his mom because he's afraid to wrestle with me. No, I'm kidding. It's me and him all the time. But I'm like, as a first grader, I think back to when I was first grade. And, and that was one of the, the hinge points of my life. It's living in a small town in the tip top panhandle of West Texas. I doubt many people are getting ads on Instagram to go visit this place. The uh, Perryton, Texas, no offense if you're watching, uh, Convention and Visitors Bureau probably doesn't exist. It's not a great town, middle of nowhere. It's living in Perryton. My family went through an extremely hard time and a very bad split. And so my sister and myself and my mom, we moved to another town not too far away, Canyon, Texas. And my, one of my only memories from being in first grade is uh, going to a new class, um, meeting, uh, walking into the door, and I probably blocked most of it out, but I walked into the door, I saw this brand new class, and I just remember I started running the other way after my mom started bawling. 
The big bummer that is one of my best friends to this day was in that class. He also remembers that moment. He never lets me forget it. (laughs) But I also look back and go, yes, some bad things happen and some people hurt and it wasn't easy. But I moved from Perryton to Canyon. In Canyon, I met that guy who to this day is one of my very best friends that has sharpened me into the man of God that I desire to be. A few years later, I met another best friend that to this day continues to sharpen me into the man of God that I desire to be. A few years after that, through being involved in a local church, First Baptist Church, Canyon, Texas, got surrounded by this group of friends and I was placed under the leadership of a guy named John Butterfield. John Butterfield, what a name. But if it weren't for that man and the team of people that he rallied around him to lead the youth group of First Baptist Church Canyon, Texas, if it, if it weren't for that man, God using that man, I, I can't imagine a scenario, and yes, God is sovereign and he works in different ways. I can't imagine a scenario where I'm standing on this stage in Atlanta, Georgia, in love with Jesus, in love with the church, in love with my life, my wife, in love with my kids, in love with where God has me. No, it's not easy, but I've seen with asking why through the lens of faith that life is hard, but God is good. And life is hard, but God has a purpose. And I believe that he can redeem those moments for a greater purpose. So even when life doesn't go my way or what does it, it doesn't go your way, we can keep trusting. We can keep believing. We can keep seeking God, knowing that he rewards those who seek him. Two more really quickly, and you're gonna have to dig into them yourself because I ran out of time. But I'm still gonna take about 15 more minutes. That's how pastors do it. Hey, last point, you say that like 18 times, you know? Two more words. Verse 26, how, how did he do it? He, he regarded disgrace. Another word for regarded would be he considered or he supposed, he counted, he measured disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. God is not holding out on you. God is not asking you and me to settle for what is less. He's actually always offering us more, more. The devil, the accuser, he's good at flinging arrows. That's why in Ephesians uh, chapter six, we're called to take up a shield of faith to block the arrows of an accuser, of an exaggerator, of a deceiver of an inflator, because he always, the, the accuser always wants to make sin look greater than it really is. He always wants to make the world more tempting and more pleasing than it actually is, because at the end of the day, it's always gonna leave us wanting more. It's always gonna leave us unsatisfied. 
not fulfilled, insignificant. But when we regard disgrace for the sake of Christ, he's helping us say that I'm actually promising you and offering you my very best. You're in the kingdom of God, maybe short term, but definitely not long term. Long term, you're not gonna miss out because what I have for you is better. That's really the message of Hebrews, all of it. Jesus is better than the prophets. Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than the old sacrificial system. Jesus is better than it all. So by faith, choose the greatest return on your investment. You've been thinking about ROI lately? Maybe you're, you're thinking about buying a house. You're like, is it gonna appreciate? Am I gonna get a return on this? Selling a house, you start doing like, how much did we pay? How much do we owe? How much do we put into it? How much are we gonna sell it for? What's my return? With your life, make decisions, everyday decisions. Thinking about your ROI, because your life, in my life, it, it's a, it's an investment. It's an opportunity. It, it, it's temporary, it's a vapor, it won't last long. We, we wanna make the most of every opportunity and how we spend our days, how we treat our friends, how we raise our family, where we plant our lives in a local community, how we give our money, how we leverage our influence. It's an investment. And are you gonna invest it in the things that are temporary and transient and fleeting and won't last and won't fulfill? Are you gonna seek what's of greater value? What will last forever? What will fill you up? And people, yeah, might be like, why do you show up on Sundays? You, you, you tithe? Do you imagine what you could do with that 10%? Or is you're aiming towards 10% or you've gone above 10%? You're going there on a Saturday morning, Friday night. You're hanging out with them. You're investing in them. You're praying for what people are like, that makes sense. And you're like, I'm seeking the greatest return, the forever return, the lasting return on the investment that is my life. And then you step into the world and to those people that make fun of you or aren't sure about you, and you start loving them in a different way. You start treating them in a different way. You start praying for them. You start inviting them because part of your return is their souls. Because people, the only thing you can take to heaven. And so maybe God's put you in your purpose and calling in a specific sphere or spot so you can be the bright light so more people can have a greater return on their investment. And then it just doubles and triples and quadruples and tenfold and a hundredfold your investment because God's using you. Moses chose because he remembered he was chosen. Moses looked, says he looked ahead. He stared at. He fixed his eyes. He looked away from all else so he could focus on his reward. What are you staring at? What has your attention? And then the last thing, the way Moses was able to walk by faith 
is because he saw. Don't miss this. By faith, he left Egypt, a bold, courageous choice. As a leader of God's people, he left Egypt. He did not fear the king's anger. He persevered through a lot of chaos, a lot of trial. He did it all because he saw. And what did he see? He saw him who is invisible. We're not gonna walk in faith when somebody just says, uh, you gotta do this. You better do this. You better show up. You better not mess up. Better stop doing that. Better start doing this. Get your act together. You gotta sort that out. You better be there. No, we, we choose and we trust and we follow and we take steps when we see. When we see God, when we see His glory, when we see His goodness. So if you want to walk by faith, you need to ask God to help you see. Because the more we see of Him, the bolder we will step in faith. The more we see of Him, for the people in the back, the more confident and courageous we will step in faith. What's your prayer life like? I'm not gonna ask you that, I'm gonna ask me that. What's my prayer life like? God, would you help me make it through this situation? Great. God, would you give me discernment and wisdom God, would you, would you use me to help your people? All valid prayers. God, would you bring me a breakthrough? Would you help my family as they're walking through some hard time? Would you help my friends? Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. God loves when his children draw near to ask him for help. But he also loves when his children come near and say, God, would you show me more of who you are? Would you show me more of how great you are? Would you show me more of how much, how much you love us? Would you like Moses in Exodus 33, would you keep asking God for more? Moses had seen so much. He saw the burning bush. He saw the cloud of fire. He saw the pillar of cloud in the tent of meeting and he still had the boldness to say, God, would you show me your glory? Pray. If you wanna walk by faith, pray that God would give you eyes to see and make that a common prayer, an everyday prayer. That's why Paul, that's what he was praying for the Ephesians. God, open the eyes of their heart. God, help them see, help them understand. That's the prayer that we need to have if we wanna walk by faith because Moses was able to persevere through a lot of stuff. So much stuff. You're like, I can never relate to Moses. I, I, I don't, I'm never, I'm not in Pharaoh's palace. I'm not leading a large community of people through the wilderness. Moses could have been afraid. Moses' people that he rescued from slavery turned their back on him and said, let's go back to Egypt. Moses felt like there was a lot of pressure. He didn't know if he was enough. He didn't know if he had what it took. 
He didn't know if he could live out God's call on his life. He didn't know, he, he figured he was gonna mess it all up again. But it says in scripture that he kept going to this place called the tent of meeting. And it says that he and God spoke like they were speaking face to face as one who talks to a friend. It was intimate, it was friendship. It was like easy and it was familiar. And that same God who is speaking to Mo Moses is now wanting to speak to you in a easy, familiar, uh, intimate place. In a, a, where, I mean, his spirit lives in you. So wherever you go, his word is always here. If you want it, it's alive and active. Jesus continues, Lord, his life as we look at it to speak to us. It's just up to us to go to that tent of meeting and say, God, I, I am nervous. God, God, I am stressed out. God, I, I am afraid. Like as, as a parent of young children, I've probably had to deal with more fear than I've ever dealt with. Like, God, what's gonna happen? Or am I enough? Am I gonna make the right decisions? I lost my temper last week. Is that gonna scar him for life? God, I'm afraid because I'm looking at the news. And I hear the, if I read the word nuclear one more time, I'm gonna lose a little more sleep. And in this side of heaven, there's always gonna be trouble. But we have been given sight and we've been given access to the one who sees it all the one who knows it all and the one who is good and is working all things out and the one who will win in the end. And so let's fix our eyes on Jesus, trusting that he will not slumber or sleep, that he is always in control and that he will break the chains from our life and that he will win in the end. We will step in faith, believing that Jesus will win in the end. Let's pray together. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church Podcast.